You're listening to the most talked about podcast in the land, Renegade Culture, sucker-free politics, news, and social commentary from the block to the boardroom with your host, Kalanji and Kamal. One, two, one, two, it's the Renegade Culture Show. <laughs> anyway, you listen to Renegade Culture. That was kind of a mellow opening, dude. It was. I was about to say, you said that for me. You know what I'm saying? Can I do my thing? The E, the N, the E, the G, the A, the D, the E. It's renegade, renegade culture. Yo, can I get some shots? You're late. late. Anyway, (laughs) don't need no fucking shots. This is gonna be late. Is on in the background? Only shots we need is only shots we need are Hennessy tonight, and we're not sponsored by Hennessy, so I'm not gonna say Hennessy. Anyway. We live and direct. It's Black August. Renegade culture in the house. Yes, yes, yes. It is 2018. We haven't That's been. Right. I feel like we haven't been in here in a while. I think we took a week off. I think we took two weeks off. Okay, we took two weeks two off. Two weeks. It's been two weeks. Uh, man. It's been a long time, bro. Our shit's so heavy. It just you know. How you doing? How notice. you doing, man? You know, I'm still here. You know, what yeah, I mean? you living, you surviving, I'm battling. Uh, you know, uh, this case of uh, uh, being black in America. Damn, okay. I'm still, That's always. You know, That's always the case. Yeah, you know. I'm what are you still, doing for Black August? What am I doing for Black August? What I'm not doing. Uh, what I'm not doing? Huh? I'm not cursing too much in Oop. the daytime. Yeah, right. Um, it's after seven. We good. Um, what am I doing? You know, working out. I'm feeling yeah. kind of. Sore, you trying get to swole? get rid of you get, get swole up in the cut. Ah, ah. You can't see him. He weighs like about 10. So wow. <laughs> it's about him to get swole. I'm so fly, yeah. fresh, and responsible. Don't get it twisted. All right. Uh, I'm trying, trying not to get a baby cake like my man Kamal. Oh. Anyway, um, yeah. So, I mean, you know, we're, we're getting it together, fasting, studying. All right. Um, you know, reflecting. You know, True. And, um, you know, writing political prisoners, planning for this big event we have on That's August twenty right. fifth. That's right. Youth you know conference. I mean? Yes, we have the National Black Youth Conference coming up That's August twenty right. fifth. Teaching the youth urban survival preparedness, mm-hmm. teaching them African martial arts. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else we got? Organizing going on? skills, organizing their skills, rights, how know to make your sure rights. The cops don't hem them up. Exactly. And if they do, how they can get out how of it to deal in with a it. responsible way. That's, That's right. right. That's right. So um, we got a lot going on. A lot of folks coming out. You know, mm-hmm. so just getting it up. The five K run, Black Five K run. People already signing up. I saw. Through, I see. Yeah. Yes. Yes. We we actually have a sponsor. I don't even know. I'm kind of yep. scared. I might have to give him his money back. I'm, I'm like, have to. <laughs> who the fuck are you? I'm gonna have to participate this year. You, uh, oh, oh the, the, the six million dollar man. That's ladies and gentlemen. Wait a minute, though. One of our guests, even though we haven't done the intro yet. Yes. He specializes in running. Uh oh. Like five Ks, ten Ks. He run from the police. Uh, I don't think Adam <laughs> running from so. the police. You think he from the police? You like he might be cool. The police. Although I haven't introduced you, I wish. What's your, what's your run? What you do? Uh, I've done all sorts of distances. Oh, don't be bragging. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, you, you should, you should you run should the 5K. I should do the 5K, should, though. Should, I when is it? Good, B. August 25th. How many miles is 5K, by the way? Oh, my goodness. It's like three, three. Point something. Three, three point? Okay, three. I can handle that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Scoo, you I got a little arthritis in the toe. He's not being counted. I might walk 5K. I might walk 5K. You might walk 5K? I might walk 5K. Yeah, a little injury. It's cool. You know what I'm saying? We got a... Special Olympic version of 5K. You got it. True, you know what, true. You know what I mean? <laughs> we got you. We got you, Kamal. Yo, anyway, what is our show about tonight? What's our show about? It's a special our, show. Our show is FTP. FTP? Yes, for the Palestinians. That's true. Yeah. 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 Yo, you ready for that? I was like, what? Anybody nervous to get <laughs> All right. What is he going to say? What is he talking about? This guy is crazy. That's right. Why does Kamal hang with him? And people don't still ask me that. that because they don't know the fucking brain. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. You know what I'm saying? Nobody. Like, pinky no. in the brain over here. Nobody thinks that. Nobody anyway. Thinks that. 
Anyway, you listen so to Renegade today, Culture. So today, our, our special, I mean, just let me get oh, a little sorry, bit more. Sorry, a little sorry, bit more. Sorry, you sorry. can't say I know what it was about. I didn't know this. But the audience needs to know, though. I didn't know right? they wanted to know. So the, the show tonight is about Palestine. It's history, yes. organizing in yes. it. The different um, uh, uh, propaganda machine that runs yes. around sort of Israel and its place in the world. Uh-huh. We want to get into all that. We want to get into how our guests got involved in the issue, why they're involved. So I just want to do really quick a special introduction. We have Sarah Hamden here, who's a Palestinian Iraqi that she's been invaded several times. So in addition to a wide range of other political work, she's organized in the Palestinian Solidarity and Liberation Movement for over 13 years. She's recently lived in Palestine for one for a year and a half and has worked alongside Palestinians, Iraqis, and Syrian refugees committee, uh, communities in Palestine, Greece, and South uh, America, and in the American South. I'm sorry about that part. And I actually know her as orga- as an organizer. Okay. She's one of the best organizers I know. Okay. She's one of the worst chanters I know, though. Okay. And she don't know. Okay. She knew I was going to say that. Though. What? Okay. So I was at a okay. I was at a rally with her. Uh-huh. And she did this whole like up with the people, boom, boom, oh, down no, with the races, boom. I was like, oh, okay, what is that? Who's doing that, B? Sarah, Sarah. I had a big conversation with Bob. I was like, who's chanting? You never told me that. I know. I never did. And now of all. I mean, it was the time. Sarah. It was the time. It's an ambush. What the it is an ambush. I like, what oh the, it was a the new boom. chant. It was a northern chant. A northern chant. That northern, y'all brought down northern here. Northern what? Northern boom, Ireland? Boom. What are you talking I was like, yeah, it's like the boom boom. I was like, what's the boom boom? What's the boom boom, boom boom there. I was like, oh, boom boom. This is the old hip hop shit. But she had the crowd doing it. I was like, off to the south. Like, I'm not Oh, yeah. They all was high. Was it marijuana? Yeah, it was something. It was something like, I don't know. It was like a scene down from Atlanta. You know the person who taught me that chant, by the way. Oh, wow. I do? So you going to mention names? No, all right, let's leave them alone. Yeah. Should I start naming a bunch of names or should I? No, so okay. every fucking. It's okay. Oh, I guess I can guess. Yeah, I can guess. you know. All right, okay. All right. Anyway, and we also have our brother. We before we Adam Horowitz, who is the Uh-oh. co-editor of Mondo Weiss. Am I saying it right? Maybe not been Mondo Weiss. I knew Mondo I was going to screw it up. The man just told me Mondo Weiss. I wrote it down to not screw it up. I know fucking Mondo Weiss. Thank you. Know Thank you. You know, and I'm from the hood. My <laughs> man has a master's in Near and Middle Eastern Studies from NYU. Okay. And if people don't know Mondo Weiss, is an independent website <laughs> devoted to informing readers about developments in Israel and Palestine and related U.S. foreign policy. Okay. They provide news and analysis that's unavailable through mainstream media regarding the struggle for Palestinian human rights. And we are so pleased to have you all on board. Yeah. To talk about this issue. Um, and really just to help let people know what's really happening in Palestine and Israel and not just sort of the propaganda they get from mainstream media, particular places like the New York Times. Um, but we really, really want to dig deep into this issue. We're going to have an informative show, but a fun show. Yeah, and I, and I think it's good because I think this would be sort of like a uh, Palestine for dummies. True, 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 you know I mean? true. Because of the fact that, and and I'm saying that, and Adam's looking like, oh, I never thought of it that way. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I think that it's important because of the fact that what happens is uh, we get this world news, yeah, and uh, unfortunately the world news doesn't have to do anything with what the fuck's really going yeah, on. with the reality of the situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So anyway, you listen to Renegade Culture, where we can say, uh, uh, fuck the police, uh, follow FTP. the plan, FTP. formulate the... Formulate the... Something. People? Yeah, the policy. Follow the people? How follow about people? Follow Whatever. people. But tonight, like I said, we're talking about... Uh, Palestine. For the, Palestinians. for the Palestinians. Anyway, I'm kind of stuttering because I have this water in front of me, and it was given to me by a notorious producer in the back, and I'm not sure because the water looks kind of uh, purple and blue, but I'm going to drink this shit anyway. Anyway, uh, listen to Renegade Coach. <laughs> Never seen a diamond in the flesh 
Cut my teeth on wedding rings in the movies And I'm not proud of my address In a torn up town, no postcode envy Now everybody's like, come on, let's celebrate Finally we're getting cake Every day we hustling, trying to fill a dinner plate We don't care The underdog don't have no fear So if we sing about gold teeth, maybachs, diamonds in our timepiece You should raise a glass, help us free from this poverty So unfair Give us free from this love affair Cause we're already To the light, uh. Anyway, you listen to Renegade Culture. Renegade. This is your man, Kalanji Jabachang, alongside Kamal K. Franklin. Kamal K. Franklin, and tonight the K stands oh, for. Boy, here we go. Kickball. What? Uh, Look, you can't even make it up fast enough. I that couldn't. Look at I couldn't. Good. I couldn't. Let's just move on. Anyway, fuck right, that. Let's get into our topic. Our topic. Our topic for tonight is what? Palestine. Palestine. We want to know the truth about what's happening in Palestine, the history of Palestine, what's going yes. on, y'all involvement. So we want to start off with the straight question, particularly for our guests who are like, again, they just get the mainstream version. Yes. Israel was born yes. through, like, you know, post uh, the, uh, the Holocaust. Israel was sort of born. Yes. Palestinians... For some strange reason, did not appreciate the fact that this country was started where there's hardly anybody at. Right. So, and since then, the Israelites have been, well, not the Israelites, yeah, Israelites, they've been, Israelis, I'm sorry, have been protecting (laughs) their, I know I was thinking a different type of Israelites, have been protecting themselves from the onslaught of Palestinians and their terrorist actions. Sister Sarah, can you do us a little correction on that mainstream history to be kind of Please let us know. And, and let us know why why the Palestinians have not been hospitable as the media has claimed. Um, so I think it's important whenever we have a conversation about Palestine, whenever we talk about Palestine, that uh, what is going to frame that, that's, that discussion is that Israel has been engaging in a very, very violent process of settler colonialism for the last 70 years. And so what I mean when I say that is that Israel uh, has, has sought to confiscate as much Palestinian land with as little Palestinians on it um, and has been met with um, resistance throughout those 70 years. Um, and so I can kind of start diving into the history mm-hmm. or we can, you know, Dive in. go on. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I think we could, for the sake of brevity, I'm going to start in the 20th century, but we could start in the late, mm-hmm. the middle to late 19th century. So last year marked 100 years uh, since the Balfour Declaration was signed. And so that declaration was signed by the British government. And it said that the Jewish people um, are owed a homeland and that at that homeland has to be in historic Palestine. So that really set the stage for what would happen uh, three decades later, um, which is what um, Israel refers to as the Great War of Independence, but what Palestinians, what we refer to as the Nakba, or the catastrophe. So from 1947 to 1949, almost 800,000 Palestinians were kicked off of their land, uh, were uh, expelled from their original homes, villages, towns, and cities. I think almost 80% of Palestinian land was taken, um, and then the state of Israel Israel was established. Mm 
Um, and so then, and so now that refugee population is at six million, and we can kind of get into that later on. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, uh, two decades later, in 1967, uh, the Six Day War happened, or what Palestinian, Palestinians refer to as the Nexa, or the setback. And so that's when Israel finished what it had started in 1948. So Israel then occupied the West Bank, Israel occupied East Jerusalem, Israel occupied the Gaza Strip. It also confiscated land from the north in the Syrian Golan Heights, Mm -hmm. and it confiscated uh, the Sinai in the southwest. And so that, um, so Israel then took the rest of historic Palestine and established itself as the unparalleled um, power in the Arab and Muslim world. Um, And so then, since then, and leading up to 1967, Israel has engaged in an incredibly deliberate, sophisticated, and cruel system of power, uh, power abuse, and oppression against the indigenous population Mm -hmm. of Palestine um, that is so audacious as to fight back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned mentioned the 19th century. You said you would get into the middle, mid-19th century, so on and so forth. Rewind a little bit. Let's talk about that because of the fact that some of the listeners uh, who are going to be sympathetic to uh, the opposition, for lack of better words, um, will say, well, you know, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with what? The whole settler settler state coming in and so on and so forth. I'm saying going back to the 19th century. Uh Uh-huh. Take it back a little bit. I mean, what I would say about that, and I don't know, I mean, what's wrong with that is the sort of a, a broader question, but part of the answer to that is, so the the political ideology that was animating what mm-hmm. Sarah was talking about is Zionism. Mm-hmm. And that is um, an ethnic nationalism that was created in Europe um, at a point where Europe was being divided up by ethnic nationalisms and Jews were experiencing anti-Semitism and the anti-Semites wanted the Jews out a lot of the Jews wanted to be out, and Zionism was created in that moment where this was the answer for problems. So the creation of Zionism is understandable as um, a relic of its historical moment. By the time, though, that 1947 and the Nakba happened and Zionism was put into practice, I mean, Zionists had been starting to enter Palestine in the teens and 20s, but with the support of European powers like the British. But by the time that Israel became a country in the settler colonialist state, settler colonialism was sort of considered on the outs. I mean, we had South Africa and Israel as these last remaining European apartheid countries. We know what happened with South Africa, and Israel is the sole remaining country. So there are actually, you know, international law, there are a number of different international conventions which were created after World War II, after the South African experience, to now say, you know, apartheid is against the law. Um, and, you know, Israel's still operating in that manner. I mean, I will add one thing that I always found interesting about the history that Sarah shared is, so 1947, 800,000 Palestinians are run off their land. But not all the Palestinians left. Some Palestinians stayed within what has what is became Israel, and those Palestinians were put immediately under military law. Mm-hmm. And so, from 1947 to 1966, 
actually early 1967, those Palestinians were under military law. That was lifted in early 1967. And then the Nakza happened in June 67. So in the 70 years of Israel's history, there's been about six months where Israel wasn't, you know, didn't have Palestinians under some sort of you know, military rulership. Why do you think it's been, and both of you can answer this question, it's, it's been easier, let's say, when you compare to South Africa, right? It's been easier for Israel to get a pass or to even be presented in a favorable light in terms of their apartheid policies as opposed to a South Africa. So the propaganda machine, what I'm going to call the propaganda machine or mainstream media in the United States, has been more than willing to sort of bend over back backwards and present this particular issue as something of a nation sort of defending itself from sort of an onslaught. It's almost like we're revisiting uh, when the Native Americans' land was taken from, 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 them, from them, and obviously the sort of the propaganda system that sort of arrived during that time period to say, oh, of course we deserve this land, we're doing something with it, so forth and so on. But why do you think the propaganda system has been so strong in defending Israel as opposed to, let's say, other places like a South Africa where it's the, the apartheid, the oppression has been exposed and demonized as opposed to mm -hmm. the oppression that Palestinians have suffered by Israelis? So I can think of two reasons. One is that post-World War II, the United States identified uh, North Africa and Southwest Asia as of great geopolitical importance, and that Israel um, can act as uh, the watchdog um, um, of that region, uh, number one. And number two is, I mean, Palestinians have very much been paying the price for European racism and genocide uh, for the last 70 years. And so I think that um, the, the, you know, e either the global guilt or the, you know, European and American guilt around the Holocaust um, has meant that um, Israel has been given a green light um, to really act with impunity um, and be the judge, jury, and executioner um, um, in every iota of um, the way in which it uh, oppresses Palestinian people. Yeah, I mean, I think, and I, I mean, I imagine we'll get into also later so some of the sort of strategic value or, mm -hmm. you know, the sort of U.S.-Israel relationship. But I think your question also kind of gets into some of the kind of cultural aspects, too. And in this way, I'm, I'm going to have to defer to my elders a little bit because I don't completely remember. That'd be you, Kalanji, I think. Because um, uh, I'm like 35. Well, you know. I mean, I, you know, growing up, I do remember, you know, South Africa. One, And I'm not, so I might be rem yeah. remembering wrong, but, I d yeah, I don't remember there being really outside of, you know, Ronald Reagan, who was the president, mm -hmm. like people advocating for South Africa. I know mm -hmm. there were some people. I think it was, it, was, it was more like it was official policy in the United States to right. continually support the apartheid government. Um, but the media itself media. deferred to, let's say, black activists on the ground. Right. And that, that could be part of the issue, right? Because there's um, 30 to 35 million at the time. Black folks, not all were protesting, of course, but people who took it up as a banner of, of, of refuge of European colonialism that was obviously still going on in Africa. And right. artists, uh, entertainers. Yeah, so sure. Forth. Yeah. Um, I mean, I remember that. Yes, yeah, yeah. so you had a whole, you know, plethora of things going on. It was a serious fight. Yeah. Um, and, of course, I mean, you know, the media here doesn't, uh, they don't report anything dealing with right. Africa in a, 
in a positive light or in a light of support. You right, know I mean? right. To them, support in Africa would be Africa. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. You know. Um, so, I mean, just what I was, yeah. and it's, it, it's a, a bit of a sticky subject, but I think it's part of the answer to your question mm-hmm. that, you know, through the pro-Israel community, a lot of that is in the Jewish community, has a lot of cultural power in this country and has really helped shape the narrative, mm-hmm. especially since... I'd say the 67 war. I mean, it's a little, also a little bit before my time, but like when I talk to say my parents' generation, maybe a little younger than that, mo- there was a movie called Exodus that came out in the late 60s, early 70s. Uh, I th- I th- he might've been in Paul Newman, I know was in it. And many people have told me that this is how they've shaped their opinion about Palestine. Mm-hmm. Where in, th- in that, the story that we just told the Zionists in that movie, those are the good guys. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, escaping Europe. They're like, you know, liberating their land. And that for generations helps set the stage of how many Americans understood this story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is only now starting to change. It's funny that you said that the, uh, the Zionists were, you know, deemed the good guys. Yeah. You know, and that, that's always, um, they have their go-to folks when you're talking about uh, oppression or domination or colonialism so on and so forth it's like um, back in the day you have the cowboy indian situation the cowboys always the good guys mm-hmm. they come and shooting these savages who mm-hmm. are who have the nerve the audacity to grow food on their land yeah. and to uh, not monopolize not charge for water and not charge for the sun and solar energy mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. gas and natural resources so they became the enemy so why do you feel it's like that um, internationally? Because of the fact that it's, you know, obviously, you know, the, the Zionists have been getting away <clears throat> with all types of uh, fuckery right. <laughs> for, 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 for over a century, <laughs> for centuries now. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, what, what do you, what's your... Uh, I mean, uh, my sense is that it, uh, Israel's reputation, um, Israel is becoming its own worst enemy in terms of its global reputation. Um, I definitely think that in the US there's, you know, mainstream American society views Israel as the victim um, and as um, the one who just continues to endure despite being surrounded by all these hostile countries. Um, but I, I do believe that in other parts of the world there's actually, it's a little bit of a different sort of view mm-hmm. um, because people are, you know, f- given very different um, information and news. Um, but I, you know, just in the last 10 years, Israel has engaged in three different military assaults on Gaza. And in part because of that and the glowing, the growing uh, boycott, divestment and sanction movement that I do believe that Israel, um, Israel's reputation, um, as, as Adam stated as well, is beginning to tarnish. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, in part due to their own, I mean, their own acts yeah, of, yeah. of genocide, apartheid, and settler colonialism. And arrogance. And complete arrogance, absolutely. America, I mean, the United States and Israel, I mean, their, their level of arrogance is, I mean, it's, it's incredible. Because if you put both countries together, mm-hmm. I mean, you're not even talking about 7% of the world population mm-hmm. to a degree. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's yeah. the audacity is... Yeah. It's, it's tremendous. And I think it's true that, I mean, it's it's obvious like in the General Assembly, Israel constantly yeah. gets voted down. Mm-hmm. Like right. It's like 100 and, 130, 140 to like three or four nations which will side, will side on Israel. But um, at the Security Council, 
obviously where the real power is is yep. where Israel always is protected by the United States, and if not the United States, sometimes England, but particularly the United States will always protect and veto resolutions that may um, at least try to e either have something that's on parity in terms of like saying Israel is wrong for something or even chastise Israel for, Israel for its behavior. You're listening to Renegade Culture. Um, he called you old, B. I just want to remember that. Man called early. me old. Who's he that? Called you old. My man Adam called you old. Adam called me old. Yeah, he said like, you know. That's like, right. Adam I knows that. I, I was referring to Kamal, actually. He was referring to Adam. <laughs> I, I know Adam. Adam, you know. I thought he was going to do the yacht boat you know, thing, man. What's Kamal is, like, you know, he's yeah. divide and conquer all day. Can we do That's something? Can, can we go out? Can we go out on some, um, do we brothers? On the Titanic? <laughs> you know, go, go out on the Titanic. Anyway, you're not listening to the fucking Doobie Brothers tonight. Anyway. You're live, Renegade Culture. We're with uh, my man Adam Horowitz and Sarah Hamden, and we're talking about Palestine. We're talking about the Zionist and the racist acts of aggression and oppression and the settler colonialism, settler colonialism, hegemony, all types of other good shit. Mm -hmm. um, we'll be right back at you in a few seconds. We got some grooves to check out. <laughs> Open-ended uh, Apologies in order His daughter asking Who sent it? I came in with that Real fresh breath Meaning I meant it We all want the Straight up truth But who hasn't bent it? Huh? It's our time Let me serve this life sentence Come closer Scoot over Like an indented Paragraph of parallels Got me inside I took the P off of pride And said mommy Let's ride Let's go Without the E Go Done died We lied and hit it off We call that Collide This grown folk rap I'm too old to Snapchat Benjamin Button, I'm too young to believe that here. Go to deal, I slip, that go to pill. Why you looking at the flow? Please pick up my heart, dear. Cause I've been on the go, literally on GO. But I'm back and you already. No, I'm not perfect, no. Made my mistakes and no. But all I want is love and Yes, you listen to Renegade Culture. And my man, we got Phil Adam, Cosby cousin. Join in, Adam. Join in. Oh, you know you man. want to. My man Adam is a proficionado of the, the was it Rock Yacht? No. The rock Yacht. No, I'm not. He rock likes it. He loves it. He loves it. <laughs> no, Sarah, are you going to join in? No. I don't know that song. It's a little before my time. Whoa. Oh. I'm actually yeah. 34. Mm. So. Mm. Yeah, she said she has no time for you, old bastard. <laughs> 
Yes. Shots fired. We'll call the shots. We'll call the call the No good reason. We're gonna come for you too. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. No, I went to Palestine. Yeah. yeah. And I got yeah. stopped like four times I'm sure you did. in the airport. Dude's yeah. gonna step in front with the badge. You look like, goddamn like, well. And what are you here for? It's like, what? What? Slow down, B. I'm a fucking activist. I'm coming to cause problems. Oh yeah. That's why I'm here. That's how I got I would have told him Kamal's on the way. Anyway, Kamal's in the house. We are here. Yes. Talking about we talking about the issue Palestine. of Palestine. Yes. With our guest Sarah and Adam. Sarah and Adam. I never thought I'd have fucking guests named Sarah and Adam. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's our first. It's our first. I walk up in the building. Who's on the joint tonight? Sarah and Adam. What the <laughs> fuck is going on? <laughs> Come a long way, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. Last week Tiny we had Ooh, Minister Stanley X, and this week That's you got Solomon. I mean, yeah, Solomon. I'm about to fuck it all. Yeah, look at you. Look at you. You're going yes, way you back. got Adam and Sarah in the building. True. We got the Bible up in this mother. Oh, all right, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. And the Quran. The, and the Quran. Well, it would be and uh, the Torah. And the Torah. Oh, we this got it all. Right get, I just made that shit we up. About to get, we about to get white balled. Yeah, anyway. Because these are like the most non-religious, these, like yeah, these so-called Palestine Jewish people. They both. Adam got like a fifth of henny in his. I know, pocket. yo. He came drinking. Sarah got the spliff in her ear. Oh damn! It's popping up damn. in here. It's Whoa. going down. Let me get a What do we get? Pass it. Yes. Pass it. Pass the duchy. Anyway, yeah. we're listening to Renegade Culture, and we're talking about uh, uh, the criminal state of Israel. That's right. We're talking about their very ruthless nature mm -hmm. and how they're in bed with the United States and so many other different um, uh, monsters who yeah. help to not only oppress the folks in Palestine, but they're oppressing folks here in the United States mm -hmm. because of the fact that you have um, a number of their different police departments, right. cross-training, training, yeah. you know what I mean, right here in, in, in the city of Atlanta, Georgia mm -hmm. State. I can't think of the name of the uh, Gilly. force. Gilly, yes, mm -hmm. yes. I met a broad from Gilly, and I don't usually call women broads, but I'm going to call her a broad. Well, I said, but you did it just now. She's right? a piece of shit. But oh, anyway. Damn, though. Yes, oh, yes. Okay. But, I mean, she was trying to, we were on a panel together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was trying to debate me on why it would be uh, you good, know, good for practice for Israelis yeah. to teach uh, these Atlanta, Atlanta cops how to fuck us up in the streets. Yeah. So, anyway, we have a. a um, a, a common enemy, yeah. for lack of better words. Mm -hmm. um, That's a good word. It's unfortunate that folks don't know exactly how ruthless, just how ruthless Israel is. Mm -hmm. And I want to use this platform today because of the fact that I know that some of these bastards have come listening and mm -hmm. they may want to come make some threats and all that. I like to start off by saying fuck you right now on the air. Oh, there we go, though. Please don't come to me because nope. I do practice Second Amendment as well. Oh. Now, so we are talking about... Palestine. Palestine. Yeah. Let's get with it. Let's go. Sarah, so we want to know a little bit about, I mean, it's obvious in some ways, like as being a Palestinian, mm -hmm. like your involvement in the struggle, but you don't obviously have to be because you're, you're here in the United States. Um, but what, what got you so heavily involved in wanting to struggle around this issue? Um, uh, yeah, to start with that. So Palestine was definitely the framework with which I was taught to look at the world mm. um, uh, and the United States as well. Um, so I was not raised in a political home, but being the child of Palestinian refugees and Iraqi immigrants just meant that um, the trajectory of my family um, uh, was a what was one of politics um, and I have very distinct memories of watching my father watch bombs drop on Baghdad um, during the first invasion and occupation of Iraq 
Mm -hmm. And it being very clear to me that while that we came from a place that the United States had deemed an enemy. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I have very distinct memories of my grandmother who survived the Nakba, as did my mother and all my aunts and uncles, uh, explaining to me that she had been kicked out of her home, had been given her key, uh, lied to and told she could return, Mm. um, and then, um, in fact, never never being able to return. So um, that was really the foundation um, upon which I started doing political work um, but really from that, uh, I, I grew into having a more kind of a broader understanding of what it means to be um, against um, s- uh, against colonialism and, and imperialism and state repression, um, not just in the Middle East, uh, but also here in the United States as well. Mm-hmm. And having grown up in Atlanta, uh, historically black city definitely had a played a very huge role on my understanding of um, uh, uh, white supremacy and racism mm-hmm. um, within the context of uh, this settler colonial country. No, I hear that. Uh, I, I have a question around yeah. organizing, because I, I think it's very important, um, since we're all here at this table. This is a question I think that's rarely asked. Uh, when we talk about the, the issue of organizing, okay, um, we have different fights. We have uh, animal rights. We have environmentalists. We have uh, uh, anti-occupation, regardless of where the fuck you at. You know what I mean? Um, We have all these different fights, but we're fighting on separate grounds. And we all know that we're fighting the same enemy. Mm -hmm. Um, My question to you is why is it, why do you feel that we all focused on our own fronts and we're not approaching this shit from a multi-pronged situation. Uh, we know that Martin Luther King said, uh, uh, I'm fucking up right Council now. So we don't know what Martin Luther King <laughs> said, you can't remember what he said. Yes, um, oppression, <laughs> <laughs> oppression anywhere, <laughs> oppression everywhere. I'm fucking it up right now, but you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I, I, I just had a brain <laughs> But anyway, I'm saying it's like, okay, we have so many fights, we have so many fronts, and it's like, I'm crying out for this, you're crying out against that. I'm crying against this. And we're all just, I mean, it, it's like a weak fight. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, like, yeah. how do you unify? Fight, it is a weak how fight. do you fight a yeah. fight with your fingers going in opposite directions? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm kind of confused. Like, you know, how do you all, I mean, what, what's your take on that? I mean, because of the fact that, you know, we know that there's class struggle. We mm-hmm. know that there's racism within struggle. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And we, we know that we all feel that our experiences, you know, it's our experience so you know what I mean you look at it a certain way it's just mm-hmm. like if you were in a car accident you know I can't come along and say shit out you're in a car accident you lose your hand I can't come along and say well I was in a car accident I lost both my legs so fuck your hand mm-hmm. I mean we both you know we both suffer injured, yeah. so how do we deal with that and, and moving forward is it something that that uh, you see is possibly happening where these different fronts will eventually come together or do you see it as you know we'll all be on this treadmill until I think that's a really good qu- question, Kalanji. Um, I mean, I am in a room with uh, with elders, so y'all y'all might be able to pri- provide a little <laughs> bit more context than I more can. More shots. Wow. But, um, shots fired. But I, I, my understanding is that uh, in the like before the maybe seventies or eighties, like the way in which organizing was conceptualized and the way it was carried out was it was more about global. 
class struggle, like global class-based struggle, um, and also more like anti-colonial struggles that people in the in North America were also engaging in, mm-hmm. like uh, solidarity uh, activism and organizing with. And then I think, and please, y'all correct me if I'm getting any of this wrong, that there's some correlation between the rise of neoliberalism mm-hmm. and the rise of identity-based politics, where now identity is not just the jump-off point from which you then become politicized, but it is the 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 reason that you struggle. Mm-hmm. So that you know um, that I think has led to a really fragmented and weak resistance move resistance movement, certainly in the U.S. Um, so I mean I think that what you're speaking to that ultimately like we have to not just be engaging in 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 demands of the state if that's kind of the route that we're going because of a certain identity that may or may not make mean that we're oppressed um but that there has to be some sort of kind of different orientation and i actually don't know how you you, we get back to that like i don't know like how it is that because of like the the political moment and the global world world order as it is now i don't know how it is that you get back to like a global class-based struggle um cross cross nation Mm -hmm. um because i think you're i mean back in the 60s and 70s um from my own reading because i wasn't Mm -hmm. actually (laughs) old enough to participate but um you know you had everything from the panthers the ira Mm -hmm. Malcolm. Um, Malcolm, who's, who brought up the Palestinian struggle mm-hmm. for, like mm-hmm. here in the United States with the black folks. Fidel. You had all these folks mm-hmm. who were doing exactly what you said. They looked at the United States and Western Europe for the most part as a system of oppression that affected us in multi-different ways or multiple places at multiple times. Um, but that that unity of struggle was extremely important, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think even then having a Soviet Union, but no, no matter what mm-hmm. people thought about sort of its internal politics, provided even another front to say socialism has some backing, mm-hmm. some some standing, um, some way in which even, to be honest, it could get uh, resources to fight struggles that became anti-colonial and military struggles, mm-hmm. right? So, and I agree, and I think the neoliberal struggle, i.e., particularly the United States, you know, the non-profitization mm-hmm. of struggle mm-hmm. here, where organizers and activists are not necessarily sort of doing things and they're married to their politics or ideology because of, because of their struggle, but they're just as concerned about uh, grants and mm-hmm. building nonprofit structures and uh, salaries and, and all that kind of stuff, which means that they start to tame and to pull back on their sort of political ideologies, which makes them even more close to the sort of the bourgeois aspects of sort of the U.S. state system, mm-hmm. which rewards them in some ways because yeah. they'll go far, but only so far, right. and they'll incorporate anti-colonial and or radical language in some of the stuff that they do. So, right. so it's kind of like reform versus abolition because yeah. of the fact yeah. yes. that, unfortunately, you know, because, you know, as you just said, the whole making demands of the state, mm-hmm. okay? Um, I think that at some point we have to become honest with ourselves and we have to be honest with everyone else. Um, there is no negotiating mm-hmm. when it comes to um, these individuals who have dominated the planet. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We're talking about a a group of folks um, who, for the sake of uh, our time here, we'll say white supremacists, mm-hmm. who have come along and said, look, I am the Lord of the land. You know, I am your God. And your God is whatever the fuck I choose it to be. Mm-hmm. And we're making the rules and we can come take any situation. And, and it, it's, it's so crazy because of the fact that it's like one serious playbook. 
It happened in Africa. Mm -hmm. It happened over here in the United States with the natives. It happened over there in, in Israel. And I think, again, in Palestine, I think that um, it is important, and I'm, I'm going back to what the question I just asked, it is important that we find a way because what's going to happen is it, it's a continuous um, cycle and, it, and, and we create it's, it's animosity created towards each other because after a while we like we're debating on on whether you know the Holocaust or or the Nekba mm -hmm. or you know um, the uh, Middle Passage the Middle Passage mm -hmm. you know we're debating on mm -hmm. on who has the rights mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. suffer so we're counting and saying okay we had this many million folks you had this many mm -hmm. so on and so forth we had a hundred million we had two hundred million so on and so forth so it becomes almost a fight against each mm -hmm. other so it's the sidetracking what we call the sidetracking of the slave because meanwhile these motherfuckers are still mm -hmm. oppressing mm -hmm. and, and taking over everywhere else we have. Oh, yeah. uh, yeah. so well, I, I had a question for Sarah along these lines because so like at Mondo Weiss, I kind of, you know, we cover all this stuff. But it seems to me within the Palestine solidarity or liberation movement that this sort of mindset is shifting and shifting sort of back to this place of sort of solidarity, if not global solidarity, then at least solidarity, <coughs> say, in the in the. US and part of my sort of theory about the sort of trajectory within the sort of the Palestine liberation movement, at least in the US, is that around Oslo, that Oslo really in nineteen ninety three, the Oslo Accords really co opted a lot of that energy and got people to start being focused on the state or focused on that process of this is how we're going to engage, this is how we're gonna build our power. And it was just a lie and a ruse and a disaster and that that moment is finally ending now and people are redirecting their energy back towards those probably more traditional relationships of but I'm, but I'm curious what you think about I think that. that's partially true I was absolutely mm -hmm. thinking of Oslo as um, Kamau was talking actually because mm -hmm. Oslo essentially quelled the uh, the first intifada Mm -hmm. So it quieted the resistance in a particular way. And then uh, it created, it turned Palestine into a neoliberal pseudo-state, or it turned mm -hmm. the West Bank into a neoliberal mm -hmm. pseudo-state. Mm -hmm. So meaning that, so then NGOs moved in, um, and then Israel was able to say, like, look how great we are. Like, there's all this, you know, humanitarian work that's happening. But now what's ultimately resulted, and I'm obviously kind of, talking about this in very great swaths mm -hmm. but now the Pal Palestinian Authority is collaborating with Israel in order to suppress uh, Palestinians um, inside the West Bank who are uh, resist resisting the occupation um, so I don't I mean it's it's still clear who the enemy is but how how Palestinians are going about resisting it uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, is I I think no like feet short of like I mean it's pretty it's pretty f amazing that there's still actually resistance resistance happening because also then Palestinian society is so deeply fragmented mm -hmm. where Palestinians are fragmented from one another with the ultimate goal of completely um, ruining any possibility of unified resistance. Mm -hmm. um, but I was also thinking about Oslo as well. We're listening to Renegade Culture, and we're talking about. Uh, Palestine. Palestine. Sound a little depressed now, brother. You, I mean, it's you like... It, it's, that, I mean, should it, I do a little doobie, brothers, to lift you up? Probably not. You don't sure? No. You sure? No. I smoke my own doobies. Oh, anyway. Okay. No, all right. <laughs> anyway, you're listening to Renegade Culture, and uh, I'm just sitting here thinking about, yeah. 
you know how what a fucked up society we lived in. Yeah, Be world right even. Yeah. Yes. Version of tissues forming organisms like particles splitting the volatile. Be wary of me. The spawn of the sun and the earth be born on hollow ground. Messed around and open up a goddamn portal spitting. They call me Beastie because I'm greasing rappers on their turf. And plot remotes to quote me later. Sega hardly spoke because I'm a quiet assassin with passion for fire. Blaze the trails and leave the victims catching breath inside the smoke. This the revival of that fiber rap, Harlem City. Epitome of street survival rap, hard and gritty. A law's math with a swag that can't. Master, cast from the blast of the Elohim, God is with me. I spark fear in their hearts with 50,000 watts of light beams from out the deepest chasms of the darkness. He's first, I leave my mark, and they say they can't mark it. But these is gemstones, bezel cut, laying in gold copper, language so proper. I enunciate the doctrine, taking converts. You wonder why my name is so popular. I came from a jungle made of concrete and conflict. Ligers and them tigers and them bears held us hostage. Where I learned the difference between authentic and imposters. Where I turn my sentences, the loaded guns and cocked them. There I stayed alone, beware sinisters and monsters. Now I play in fingers in the center of a marsh pit. Ha, ha, I'm the center of your conscience. The black dot, honey skin, the pinnacle of progress. The future of music look brighter than the solar flare. I'm blacker than garbage, you whiter than the polar bear. Anyway. We listen to the Renegade Coach. <laughs> Renegade Coach is in the building. True. true. I've been kind of mild tonight. You I know. I'm like, well, Renegade Coach is in the building. You're going to pump it up. Pump, pump it up. Pump, pump, pump During it the up. During the break, we was playing Sarah by Hall of Notes. I probably should have said that on the podcast. They're like, what the fuck's going on? Yo, but rock, rock, yacht. I went out is to the bathroom. Yacht or yacht rock? How the yacht fuck rock? is yacht rock, yeah. man? Because me yacht and Adam are about to go you on Adam a yacht about to go rock play Yahtzee. We about to go play with our wives and do a yacht rock. Oh, yeah? They about yeah. to go there. You're not invited. And this mother, I don't want to be invited. You know you want to go. Fucking boat you know you want to go. You and, you and Horowitz. You know you want to go. Like, this shit sounds crazy. And I'm like, yo, where you at, Kalanji? I want to yacht with Kamau and Horowitz. What are you going to be singing? Nothing. Smile. You'll be singing, uh... Titanic. What's the theme song? <laughs> what is the theme song? My heart will go on. Oh, go Sarah. Go Sarah. It's your go birthday. Sarah. It's your birthday. Sarah, don't you ever sing that bullshit on our show? Say, it's not. It's not. Oh my god. That's right. right. Yo, so we back? I think so. I don't know. Yeah, no. Nah, we're gonna get more into the Palestine issue. I wanted to come to Adam real quick. Okay. Because we wanted to talk a little bit about your background. Okay. And I was interested too. Obviously, you're Jewish. Adam's sure. definitely Jewish. You think he's Jewish? He looks pretty he fucking Jewish, Jewish yeah, to me. He is. How you doing, Adam? And in the Jewish community, <laughs> Zionism and or Israel is a pretty unifying theme, yes. at least to the outside looking in. Yes. yes. You are obviously not on that theme, not on no. that boat. So I was curious, like, how, so how do you maneuver in that? What's like sort of, what got you involved in the issue um, to the point where you're the co-editor of sure. the sort of premier magazine that's on U.S. foreign policy, Israel-Palestine relations in the United States, Mondo Wise. That was nice. close. That was good. That was I good. like that. that. Was I've good. actually written for their you publication. Gonna, you going to yeah. fucking yacht with them? They didn't I mean, pay me for shit, but that's the other thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, the man so said he's Jewish. He ain't paying you shit. What got you? you? What the hell? What the hell? <laughs> 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 I just told you. No, anti-Semitism on the show right there, all right? Oh, fuck it. We're here. Let's take that back. I'm sorry. Rewind. Rewind that. We'll cut that out. It's all good. So, me. So, what got you involved in this issue? Um... That is so the story basically, and it's I did not grow up in a political household. 
I grew up in a Zionist household, conservative, political, Zionist, and I grew I grew up taking all that stuff in, although I never really just sort of bought into it, but for no mm-hmm. great reason other than I just didn't. Um, and when I got a little bit older, like college age, post-college, started getting involved in just sort of political work and developing my own politics, um, I ended up looking back at Palestine and reevaluating everything that I've been taught. Um, so, I mean, my first political work actually was here in Atlanta organizing against the Olympics in 96. Um, and when that was done, uh, I started reading a lot more. And then in 2000, when the Second Intifada started, is when I really got involved in this issue. And so doing different organizing and activism. And then, uh, I guess, 15 years after that, um, got involved with Mondo Ice. Mondo Ice history is interesting in that it started actually, my partner on the site, Philip Weiss, um, started the website as he was a staff writer at the New York Observer, which is just a newspaper in New York. And he started Mondo Weiss. And it wasn't about Palestine per se. It was about what he, whatever he was interested in. And, uh, but he was becoming increasingly interested in what was happening in Palestine. And right at that moment, Jared Kushner, who no one knew at the time, but we all now know as Donald Trump's son-in-law, mm-hmm. he bought the newspaper and ended up firing Phil over his Palestine politics because mm-hmm. Kushner is a big Zionist. And so then Phil was just <laughs> doing this on the internet by himself and I joined him in 2008. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing this ever since. I like the way you said he said this. Kushner's a big Zionist. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, like Kushner's a bitch. That's <laughs> <laughs> how you well, said Well, no, it. I mean, it was a direct, it was, I don't want these politics in my newspaper. Right. And, right. I mean, and he's Trump's son in law. Yeah. Go fix By the time he wasn't, though. He wasn't. Right. No, yeah, he yeah. wasn't. But that's, yeah. why Trump, that's why Trump was cool with him becoming a Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. He's like, I like you. You're an asshole, too. I mean, Ann Kushner now is the person the technically in charge, the point person on the. Yeah. yeah, the the peace the agreement peace, or, the peace yeah. process. Yeah, that's, that's, that's going really far. Yeah. Yes. These motherfuckers are amazing. Yeah. 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 Remarkable, to say the least. Yep. And in some way, I mean, we look at what's happening there, it, 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 again, from the outside looking in, you feel like with this added protection, it's never like the under Obama, the, the U.S. ever stopped supporting Israel right. in mm-hmm. its ability right. to sort of I mean, control the narrative. And the program. Program. But they did do they they did do some surface stuff and pull back but now it seems it's it's that's all off the table it's full throttle support it's full throttle public support it's no condemnation it's no pullback everything goes so it seems like uh, in some ways like Israel's at an all-time high in terms oh, yeah. of imperial power let's say over Palestinian lands in that in this sort of atmosphere what do you guys look at as as sort of openings to struggle around and or against um, Israel's power, strength, both militarily, propaganda-wise, and, and, and so forth? Um, so I think of uh, Gaza that actually has been under attack today. Uh, mm-hmm. There was a cultural center that was leveled to the ground. Uh, at least three people have been killed, like one pregnant woman and mm-hmm. her eight, 18-month-old uh, child. Yeah. Um, but I think of Gaza as very much being on the vanguard, being the vanguard and being on the front lines of of of. of the Palestinian struggle and resistance, um, but the Great March of Return um, over this spring um, is a really incredible example of uh, Palestinians inside of Gaza um, uh, 
deciding to march back to their original um, homes, which are not so far from where they're corralled um, and held inside of Gaza, um, and very much knew that the result of that march could would lead to you know uh, large amounts of death um, and murder. Um, so um, I think that's one really incredible example that they chose, made the strategic decision to be nonviolent, mm-hmm. um, and then nonviolently marched to the border or as close to the border that they could get. And despite not having any sort of arms, were still gunned down by the state of Israel. So further proving the point that actually this isn't a question of, you know, Palestinians mm-hmm. not wanting quote unquote peace. This is a question mm-hmm. of Israel as the unaba- you know, the unabashed aggressor in every way, shape or form. Um, the, dig- the, the dignity strike um, in Palestine, I think, is also a really incredible example uh, where it's when Palestinian political prisoners um, are engaging in a hunger strike um, and, and it happens every year. And this last year, um, um, they had a list of demands, um, oh, chief of which was the end of administrative detention, which is the practice of Israel just uh, incarcerating people in perpetuity. So, like there being no charges, so mm-hmm. them just being locked up for really as long as the Israel, you know, deems it accept. Uh, uh, deems it, you know, uh, whatever it is that they want. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, better better conditions inside the jail um, and then better treatment of their family members who come, um, but, uh, who come to visit them um, in jail, um, in jail. But then as it relates to the rest of the world, um, in 2005, Palestinian civil society made a call out um, to uh, people of conscience, so Palestinians and those in solidarity with Palestinian people, to say that uh, we, uh, as a global community, to be cheesy, must uh, impose broad-based boycott, divestment, and eventual sanctions on the state of Israel until it abides by international law, but more importantly, until it meets a set of demands that have been set forth by Palestinian society. Mm-hmm. And those demands being uh, that uh, the Palestinian refugees be um, allowed to return home, uh, that the apartheid wall be demolished, that um, Palestinian citizens of Israel be, give, uh, be given uh, full and equal, you know, rights and citizenship, or full and equal rights, uh, that the occupation in Gaza, the West Bank, and East Jerusalem end. Um, and so we, uh, as a people, you know, living outside of Palestine, have an obligation to um, impose BDS um, until um, Israel is isolated um, f- on the global stage. Mm-hmm. And so one example of that was here in Atlanta um, some years ago where there was an active public pressure campaign to end a police exchange program um, housed in Georgia State University called the Georgia uh, International Law Enforcement Exchange. Mm-hmm. And that was where... Um, uh, uh, police officers in Georgia are taken to Israel to be trained in uh, to be trained in counterterrorism tactics. So that means tactics that are, you know, deliberately oppressing Palestinian and Muslim mm-hmm. people. And then um, uh, Israeli police are sent to Georgia to be trained in drug enforcement. So we know that they're being trained on what it means to um, to um, oppress um, and kill uh, black people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, I think as, you know, as campaigns like that continue to grow around the country, um, that that certainly is, I think, the main way in which people in the U.S. can be a part of the struggle. Mm. Yeah. And I just want to hold up one thing that Sarah said, because we, we started this conversation talking about the history. And I know I used to be like this, and maybe some of the listeners are, that, you know, history 
feels like it was forever ago. Or you'll, you'll hear this about this conflict that, oh, they've hated each other forever. Mm-hmm. Or, and that's just not true. Mm-hmm. I mean, this conflict derives from the fact that people were kicked out of their homes and off their land and have been actively kept off their land. And when Sarah was talking about the Great March of Return, that was in Gaza, a march of people trying to just return to their homes. They have the keys to their homes and they were kicked off their lands, in some cases miles away. And now they are kept more or less in a concentration camp in Gaza so that Israel can be remain a Jewish majority country. Mm-hmm. This is it's classic racist settler colonialism. But it's that story we told at the beginning, which is the reason why there is conflict today. And so the way to end this conflict is to end that system of ethnic domination. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so there's you know pressure, BDS, different ways to do that. But that's what's going to end the conflict. And I mean, what you said, Kamau, I mean, Israel is fifth largest military in the world. It's close to $4 billion a year from the U.S. in military aid each year. But I always do say that Palestinians actually have like the most powerful thing in this conflict in that they have the power. They're the ones who will get to say when this conflict is over. Israel can't do that. Israel would have done that a long time ago if they could. Mm-hmm. It's up to the Palestinians to say when this conflict is over. There's a lot of pressure on people in the Palestinian leadership to say that mm-hmm. for, you know, Mahmoud Abbas to say it's over. We accept what you're offering us. And for all Palestinian leadership's faults, they have not done that mm-hmm. yet. That's an incredibly powerful position. And it is I see it as part of our role in the international community yeah. to support Palestinian leadership, whether it's the official quote unquote leadership or civil society in holding strong to demanding their rights, which is what the BDS movement's doing. It's funny how that you said that, uh, you know, some folks would say, well, you know, history seems like ages ago. And I I think that's the go-to racist statement. Mm -hmm. You know, we being Africans here in America, you know, we often get the the get over it. You Mm -hmm. know, it's Mm -hmm. been 500 years ago and, you know, fuck Jim Crow Mm -hmm. and fuck the the fact that um, you have to start over and you've been, you know, alienated Mm -hmm. and subjugated and criminalized, so on and so forth, as a direct result of slavery. Um, and it's always about whose history, right? Cause right, it's, right. It's like, the ruling class history. Yeah, because it's, um, in terms of history, it's not, you know, they don't never say get over 9-11. Right. It's not get over the Holocaust. It's not get over <laughs> Pearl Harbor. You, you say get that shit. Yeah, it's only that, get over yeah. the history that they feel right. pulls them out in right. terms of being the oppressors right. get, that they've yeah. been. Get over yeah. what the fuck we did to yeah. you. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah. you know, I raped you last year. You act like it was last night. That's yeah. basically their, their attitude. Yeah. We're listening to Renegade Culture. We'll be right <laughs> so back at you in a few yeah. seconds. Peace.
listen to Renegade Culture. We back. Renegade Culture. We back like we never left. Now, because we are taking it to the streets. Come on, Adam. Taking it to the streets. Come on, Adam. Before Adam, we got to practice. Adam's over there. Adam's like, yo. Adam said, I'm not fucking with you guys. It's because of the fact I'm already... Oh, uh, was it white ball? What is that? What? <laughs> oh, I need to be black ball. Black ball. You yeah, black ball. You gotta be white ball. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I'm already white ball yeah. and fucking in the community. Yes, they like I don't. This they, guy they right here. They know I like rock yacht. Yeah, rock what else yacht. They gonna do I don't even know. You know what I'm is rock yacht part of Lil Yachty's new shit or what? Might be. Oh, I don't know. Rock yacht. I'm saying. Yacht? Okay. Sarah, who doesn't even know Sarah smiles. Sarah, <laughs> Sarah. So I'm like, I was like, what the hell? Man? I missed that moment, y'all. We tried to all get together. I know. Hey. Sarah don't even know her name. Y'all gonna do a little bit with me? Y'all gonna do a little bit with me? Yo, it's Renegade Culture, right? Yes. And this is like, you know, we were wrapping up the show. It was a great show. Yes. On what was going on in Palestine. What's Palestine happening? 101. I wanted to actually give the guests a little opportunity just to say a couple of closing remarks again. About and to tell me think. how great I am. They're not going to say that. Oh, they're not going to say that. I think show. there is some, yeah, there, there's some remarks that could be handed to you later yeah, on about some of your Probably. comments. But yeah. I don't know what was happening, but I'm saying. Um, call him but I just want to give some, like, past some some opportunities to talk a little bit more about what you guys see as, as, as sort of future stuff and things that's going to happen or whatever. And then we're going to wrap up, wrap up. Why don't you start for us, Sarah Smiles? Um, I definitely, my, I have a, a tremendous amount of faith in the BDS movement. Um, both in North America um, and where it's incredibly active in Lebanon and in Tunis. Um, so I think that that is definitely uh, the most amount of hope I have about Palestine um, is from the existing resistance inside of Palestine, mm -hmm. um, from people's just insistence on um, continuing to, 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 to remain on their land and live, um, that the, quite the Palestinian problem, so to speak, remains for the Zionist state of Israel, um, and that people are not going anywhere, and we have babies way at way faster yeah. rates than they do, so that definitely works in our favor. Um, and then also, I definitely believe that um, the most amount of hope is in um, uh, pressuring um, government um, around the world to isolate Israel until it abides by the d demands that mm -hmm. I listed before. They are the black folks in the Middle East. You know what I'm saying? saying like yeah. that. That's Maybe, what I was going to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. See my man smile over yeah. there like, yeah, they do have babies like yeah. us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah, a demographic so. formula though. It's, it's like over time. So is it safe to say is. that the white man yeah. can't have babies? Oh anyway. my God. All right, my man, Adam. I want to say, cut him off. I'm going to say, that's what you got to do. You just got to cut that dude off right there. What's your last thinking on this on this issue? Well, first, thanks for Thanks for having us. Oh, definitely. Thanks for having me. Yes. This yeah, was yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah. This was great. And I don't really have anything to add. The movement's growing. Yeah. Join it. Movement's True growing. that. And, right. and how can people find Mondo Weiss? They can find Mondo Weiss. Mondo Weiss. At Mondo Weiss. I almost had it. Yes. Dot net. I wrote for them. All right. MondoWeiss.net. Not MondoWeiss.net. I knew you were going to. I don't want to give him nothing. I think that's are spelled the same way. Can we, yeah. all, can, we, yeah. can we do an outro on some Yacht Rock thing, though? Fuck no. no. I don't think so. I don't think so either. No. Let's no. vote on I'm this. Cool no. You cool yeah. with that? You, you, yeah. But you don't you know the other songs. I know some of them. I know some of them. You know some of them? You know something you can think. You can do. There it is. Oh, I got, I got a song. You got a song. You, got this, ants, you can't do that. Up. No, you what? can't play. I can't play it on here. You can't play it on air. You got to sing it. Though. You got to sing it. was one of the ones y'all were singing earlier before we started? We could do, oh, here. No, that's kind of. She's a man. Oh, here she comes. Watch out, boy. She'll chew you up. Listen to Renegade Culture. She's a man eater. Two black dudes. Huh? 
a high Palestinian and a drunk Jew. <laughs> Stepped into a bar. That's right. Stepped into the bar with a DJ named Naka. Naka! Shout out to Naka. Naka's in the building. What? Naka's in the building. What? Naka was catering to Sarah to Sarah Voss and Mike. But it's all That's good. True. That's true. It's all good. You gotta get it's some all good. Yo, it's the hottest it's ever been in this studio. Exactly. It's, it's hot. It's Atlanta. hot like Palestine. It's hot like you know the Gaza saying? Strip. Damn, damn, it's hot up in here. And it's colder than a white man outside. Oh, <laughs> <man. laughs> we yeah. listen to Renegade Culture. Episode, what episode is 17, this? Son. Episode 17? Wow. Is it wrong. 17? 17? Well, you think I'm wrong? Baraka! Oh. I Naka. 17. Yep. We made it so far. Yep. We had a whole lot of interesting guests on this motherfucker so uh, far. No. Particularly as a host, though, I've been the most interesting. Yes, as a host, as you've the been, host, I've been definitely interesting. I don't know what the fuck you are, like but we're here. Anyway, oh. anyway, when we're not doing renegade culture, you can catch us in the streets. In the streets. That's right. Because we're not activists, because a lot of these motherfuckers are acting like activists. That's right. We are freedom fighters. We are abolitionists. We are not for reform. That's right. We're, we're not going along with the go along, and mm. we will refuse. Damn. Like our Palestinian comrades to give up the fight. So continue to continue and to do the right thing. Um, check us out, siafumovement.org. That's right. Renegade Culture. Renegade Culture. We out like that. Peace.